Morning. So for the last uh, season, since the beginning of the year, we've been in 1 Corinthians. Um, first 12, looking at gifts. And then 13, looking at love. And so that's, um, as I... Uh, recap where we've been and look forward to what we want to do today. Um, the, the passage we finished out on last, let me just read that first and then we can, we can um, pray and then, and then get started. So um, from verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 13, it says, For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Now faith, hope, and love abide, but these three, but the greatest of these is love. And the first verse of the next chapter is, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Yeah, Father, we just pray that you would um, speak through me this morning, Lord, that your words would be um, on my tongue, that your um, fire would burn in my heart, Lord, that you would um, help us see the things you want us to see from these words, Jesus, that you would move among us in a fresh way here this morning, in Jesus' name. So, we see as in a mirror dimly. Now, if you were here last week, um, you know, Nicole talked about lenses in particular. Um, you know, the, she told you about the, the colorblind, you know, the glasses that can help people actually experience color for the first time. Did anybody actually watch any of those YouTube videos this week? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and, and just the traumatic change. Right, the the transformation that happens when you go from seeing something dimly to seeing something clearly is profound. It's dramatic. It, um, but right now, all too often we see dimly. Right, um, we don't get the full picture. You know, and yet, we, I mean, we've got we've got His Word, right? You know, we've got everything. He's, he's not left us alone, he says. We've got his word, but sometimes it's not quite enough, is it, right? Because we get, we get a little stuck. We, we can't see as well as, as we'd like to, you know, and so we need a little help. You know, and that's, that's what I want to, um, and, and so... It's interesting, of course, you know, back when Paul wrote the letter, he didn't put chapter markers in, right? <laughs> you know, the numbers um, of verses and the, the chapter, you know, place markers only got added in later. Um, and so I'm going to, you know, continue on a little bit to, to recognize, you know, actually he, he gave us um, these gifts for a reason. And so Paul's been focusing on how important love is, and it is super super important. But he comes back and says, you know, but with love, pursue spiritual gifts, and especially prophecy. So, so what is that? <laughs> and why is actually that the number one gift that Paul thinks that we need? You know, and I don't know about you, but it, it, it stirs up in me a number of things, right? You know, um, I mean, on on all across the spectrum, right? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, w- one of the, the beautiful dynamics of this community is that it's always changing, right? I mean, how many of you have been here for less than one year? Yeah, I mean, about, about a, th- a good quarter of the room has been here less than one year. Okay, Who's been here less than three years? And we're getting closer to half, right? You know, so there is, there is a constant turnover, which means that as a community, 
um, you know, we keep having to redefine ourselves at some level because, the, the, you know, we've got people in here that have been with us for more than a decade. Um, but actually, one of them is not me. I've lived in Bahrain that long, but it's only been since 2015, um, so only the last eight years that I've been part of this community. And for those of you that don't know, actually one of the number one reasons why we joined this community was because we knew that they were pursuing the prophetic. And so this desire to grow in areas of prophecy was actually the number one thing that God put on our hearts as to why we needed to be part of this community as opposed to any other community here in the city. And we, there are some great communities in the city, and we've been part of many of them <laughs> um, and still continue to have really good friends you know, across. But, but we weren't in a community at that time that was pursuing prophecy. And we were like, you know what? I want to be around people that actually value this and recognize that there's a role. Now, of course, again, if you've heard me speak before, you know that I actually didn't grow up in a community that pursued prophecy. Um, you know, and again, I don't know where you all come from and what your backgrounds are. Um, but I, I grew up in an environment where, where I was told that these things didn't actually exist today, that, that, the, um, that the gifts that are described here in, in 1 Corinthians 14 were just for the seasons of the apostles and that, that, that they didn't continue on. We didn't need it anymore because we, we had God's Word. And, of course, back in, in those days, you needed the prophetic because God's Word wasn't written down. Um, but we've got God's Word now, and we've got His Holy Spirit, so why do we need the prophetic? And, and, and I think, um, you know, and part of the reason why they've gravitated that way is because they've seen abuses, right? There's times when people have said, God says this, and they go to somebody and say, you know, thus saith the Lord, you know, and they give a word, and it's wrong, it's manipulative, it's abusive, and people get freaked out by that, or they think, you know, God's going to speak prophetically, he's going to tell me all the wrong things I'm doing, I'm going to be put to shame, and nobody will ever respect me again, you know, I'm just, my life is going to be undone. I mean, I, I don't know. Is it, is this, does that resonate with anybody? Is that your fear of the prophetic, that, that your sins will be exposed? Because none of us want to be exposed, right? None of us want to be undone. Which is why it's really, really, really important where we've just been. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know, he comes to this place saying, you know what, love is super, super important. He's this, actually, it's the number one most important operating quality. It is my nature. And I need you as you pursue me and get receive the things I want to give you, recognize that they have to be operated from a place of love. <clears throat> God completely upended my my talk. I had I this morning kind of was in the prayer room and I was like, you know the things I was thinking about before, the safe road I was going to go down. <laughs> like, Nope, nope, we're not going to go there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was, I was reading in my Bible reading plan this morning, had me in Psalm 51. And you know what? Sometimes God does want to expose stuff in us. 
But it's not because he wants to shame us. It's because he wants to heal us. And the, the, the word that is translated salvation in the New Testament has three different core meanings. It means saved, as in like you're saved from your sin, you're saved from death to life. That's, pre- that's good news, right? That's good news. Um, he takes away the bad things and gives us his life, his good things. Um, but it also implies healing. Um, it, you know, he <clears throat> bore our sicknesses. He, he came to restore this broken world that we're in. And so he brings healing. And he also brings deliverance. He brings deliverance to those that are captives, captives to all sorts of things ranging from bondages that we get ourselves into, bondages that people put on on us, bondages that systems and systemic injustice puts on us. He comes to bring deliverance. And so, remember, you you think about, you know, what is his mission, okay? His mission is to bring salvation, healing, and deliverance. And he does it through love. And so you've got to start from that place. You've got to be in a place where you're recognizing, okay, this is his character. This is his nature. And so when I'm hearing his word, I've got to hear it from that grid. And so my, my Bible reading this morning was in Psalm 51. Verse 7 says, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. I mean, isn't God kind? And that is his longing for us, is to restore our joy. You know, he wants us to, to know him and to know that we're loved by him. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. You know, God, it says that his kindness leads us to repentance. He is not harsh. You know, I don't know what your relationship with your father is. I mean, I know we've got a father visiting from abroad, and that's pretty special. Um, But not everybody has a good father, right? And sometimes we don't, we, we put our complicated relationships on God. You know, and he says that David is, is concerned that God would banish him from his presence, that God would take away his Holy Spirit. And, you know, he doesn't do that when we come to him with repentance. He actually gives us more, not less. That's his heart. He wants to give us more. He calls us into these places of repentance because he wants to clean. He wants to renew. He doesn't want us to be stuck. And that's so often why the prophetic exists, because we're stuck. We know what the Word says, but we're having a hard time getting there. And so David, the man after God's own heart, who wrote these words in Psalm 51, I mean, he had already written so much of your scripture before he wrote this verse, right? So much of what we have in the Psalms was written before that point in time. He had been walking with God for a long time at that point. And then he did some stupid stuff. He slept with a woman that was not his wife. 
was another guy's wife. That guy was in the Army, worked for him, was a close associate of his, was actually a good friend of his, and he gets him killed. And in the midst of that absolute mess, God brings a guy named Nathan to give the king a prophetic word. Right. And he tells him a story because, like, it's pretty hard <laughs> to confront the king, you know, <clears throat> and to tell the guy who's actually authored a bunch of scripture that he's wrong. <laughs> right. But God in his kindness gives Nathan a story to tell the king so that he would be receptive that it would unlock that place that he was stuck in his heart. And it changed everything. One of the other important dynamics of... of, um, And so I, I think, you know, again, understanding how do we hear... And, and what are the what are the messages that I'm hearing, and how do I how do I understand? And, and and so again, first first and foremost, you know, again, His kindness leads us to repentance. It says in, in 1 Corinthians fourteen three that it's the prophetic gifting is is intended to give us kind of three core things that are easy to remember: strength, encouragement, and comfort. Um, he wants to take away the, the the block that gets between us and him, right? When when we do stuff that that displeases him, when we when we create when we allow that barrier of sin to get in between us, he wants that to be gone. He wants to take away the the thorn that gets stuck in us, or the the thing that causes us pain. He wants that to go away so that we can restore relationships. So he comes to strengthen, he comes to encourage, he comes to comfort. All too often, again, the, the places where we've seen abuse in the past, those are actually places where somebody who's, who's used a word, you know, who actually is trying to get you to repent through harshness, through condemnation. You know, and that's not the way God speaks. In, in uh, <clears throat> a chapter called Discerning God's Voice, a guy named Jack Deere writes, so we will learn to recognize the character of the Lord's voice. In Scripture, we see that when Jesus speaks to his followers, he does not condemn, nag, or whine. His voice is calm, quiet, and authoritative. Even his warnings and rebukes bring hope. It's really the wisdom of the Lord that is coming to us, and it should bring peace when we listen. The voice of the devil just does just the opposite. He accuses and condemns us in order to steal our hope and faith. Voices have different characters. Learn the character of each voice that speaks to you before you attribute it to God. So that's a super important component. You know, so how do we walk in this, you know, prophetic? Well, you know, another place that God <clears throat> longs to bring, um, you know, salvation, deliverance, and healing. Um, this guy, Jack Deere, you know, um, uh, who who you know, wrote this book on the gift of prophecy, we... Uh, had a friend who knew him and invited us to come uh, to a place that he was speaking about 21 years ago. And, and we went with the desire to um, learn to hear from God better. And I think that that's a, you know, a longing, and it continues to be a longing in my heart. It continues to be a place where you know, I, I all too often believe the lie that I don't hear God well. Um, and so we went seeking that desire so that we could be more effective for the kingdom, so that we could see, uh, you know, things, God work through us 
Um, and so oftentimes, you know, God says, gently corrects and says, you know what, you're seeking me for the gift? <laughs> Don't seek the gift. Seek me. You know, and the first thing, you know, he reminded us that day was that, you know, uh, when Jesus chose the apostles, he invited them to be with him. He invited them to be with him. He, he commanded them to go, you know, he taught them, trained them to go out and do things like heal the sick and cast out demons to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. But first and foremost, he said, come be with me. And that is always a super important reminder when we're talking about the gifts. So we don't seek the gifts for the gifts. We seek the gifts to get to know him better and to be able to share him. It's all about him, right? Um, and so we press into him, and he then does stuff that surprises us. That year, we had been struggling for an entire year with our young son who had been sick. He had a condition called eczema where he had these welts, kind of leathery welts, open sores all over his arms, all over his chest. And we had been out to doctor after doctor. We had been searching for solutions to, to get healing for him. And nothing had materialized. And, and so there we were. We were in America visiting um, my parents, and we actually just a couple of days earlier had gone to Krispy Kreme Donuts um, as a family. And my son said, can I have a donut? And we were like, Oh, sure. Against our better judgment, we let him have the donut, and he screamed all night long because of the issues that were going on in his gut that, that had created the eczema, and, and his body did not respond well to that. And we were like, oh, you know, parenting is tough. You know, I mean, I know for all of you, you know, that have young children. Parenting can be really tough, especially when your kids aren't well. And the gift of prophecy oftentimes functions in ways that we don't understand or ways that we have to learn to hear God's voice. And so that morning, Jack invited people to be sensitive to their bodies as, and, and we were going to have a, a prayer time. But he says, you know, God sometimes speaks in, in some unique ways. And all of a sudden, the woman who was sitting next to us that barely knew us starts scratching her, her arms. And she's like, you know, all of a sudden, I just got like super itchy. And she stands up and says, you know, I, I don't... I'd never felt this way before. I'm like, all of a sudden, I just got super itchy. So I'm like, maybe God wants to heal somebody with eczema. And she sits down. <laughs> and, and my wife just starts the ball. Because this is the condition that our son has. But he's an hour away on the other side of town. And we're like, you know, oh, that we could bring him here and that he could get prayed for. And uh, and the other dynamic here is, of course, that um, this happens to actually be a Chinese meeting. Okay, so like we're like the only people in the room that aren't Chinese, <laughs> and so they asked us to stand up, and and they, you know. Uh, because Nicole then tells the woman sitting next to her, that, you know, actually my son has eczema. And she jumps back up again and says, hey, her, her son has eczema. So, 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 so this group gathered around us to pray. And they start praying, of course, in their native tongue. 
and, which is Chinese. And, and now, of course, we have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> Nobody's interpreting because um, uh, it's their meeting. We were just kind of like sitting in the back. We were trying to hide. Actually, we were kind of embarrassed that, that we got called forward. Um, and, uh, and, so, and, and the guy who wrote the book about prophecy, he's not even praying. He's just, he hands the mic to somebody else, you know, so it wasn't, we weren't getting prayed for by him. It wasn't like, uh, you know, there was, you know, the, the prophet or whatever who was, who was doing this. It was just a group of people sitting next to us who laid hands on us, not our son, and prayed that God would manifest healing in our son's life. And we went back home and we pulled up his shirt. And we looked at it, and we were super disappointed because nothing changed. And we're like, Lord. The The next afternoon, Nicole's walking past the grocery store with the kids and sees the ice cream shop. And, uh, remembers that sometimes, um, you know, that time that Joshua was about to cross the Jericho River and and the river was running and God said, walk across. And they're like, ah, but the river, you know, and, and there's no bridge. And, and, uh, but they accepted God's marching orders to get going. And the moment the priest feet hit the water, the river parted, but they had to keep going into it when there was no evidence that they were going to be able to walk in that water. And so she says, yes, son, you can have an ice cream. (laughs) And, And she's like bracing herself that night to be up all night crying with him, and he slept through the night, you know, and over the next two weeks, all those welts went away, you know, not because some prophet prayed for us, but because somebody had a prophetic word that God wanted to do the thing that we know he loves to do, to save, to heal, and deliver. He wants to strengthen, encourage, and comfort his people. And so he knew that we needed some serious encouragement. And he was really, really kind that day. Another place that that the prophetic works itself out is just a place of so... Actually, I want to I want to go back just on that place of of David. Another another story that um, Jack Deere tells, and how we how we get involved and how we we move, and and just again the kindness of God, operating in the love of God. Jack was um, leading a a Bible study uh, at church, and he gave an opportunity for people to to say, you know, is God speaking to you? Is there anything that God might be saying to you in this community? And he said one, um, one young lady stood up immediately and very gently and said, the Lord has shown me that a young man is attending the meeting for the first time tonight, and he's in bondage to pornography. The Lord wants to help him and not embarrass him. He should see one of the leaders afterwards so that they can pray for him. And she sits down. (laughs) After the meeting, she said that she was so certain that the Lord had spoken to her that she was actually afraid to turn around because she thought the Lord would show her who the young man was and she really, really didn't want to know. (laughs) You know, kindness of God. God does not want to embarrass anybody. When the meeting was over, 
a young man came up to me, trembling and sweating, with an ashen face, and he said, I am the one the young lady was talking about. He had been in bondage pornography since his early teens, and although he was now a seminary student with a wife and children, he was still in bondage. In fact, it was stronger than ever. But before that evening was over, God was meeting him and breaking the power of that bondage and shame. You know, he comes to save, heal, and deliver. And he does it in ways that are kind. And he does it through love. And he does it through us being willing to stand up and share that thing that's on us. You know, it's good to not overstep. You know, sometimes when we hear prophetic words, you know, I mean, we don't even know, you know, again, it could be just an itch. (laughs) You know, it could be a single word. And sometimes we don't really know. And and I I want to, um, as I move to wrap up, I want to show you a a sequence that I think actually um, portrays this in an incredibly beautiful way. And that's the story of Jesus at the well. And, you know, there was a well in the Old Testament when there was a prophetic angel that comes and meets a woman by this well and gives her an incredibly difficult assignment. He says to Hagar, you've been abused, but I need you to go back to the home that you just ran away from because you're going to have a baby and that baby needs to know his father, Abraham. And she was so encouraged by that prophetic word that the angel had come and told her that that, that baby was going to be a boy and, and he gave him a name, Ishmael, that means God hears. She knew that God saw her in her pain, in her difficult place. And that dramatic moment encouraged her enough to take on a difficult assignment. So oftentimes God uses the prophetic to help us be strengthened and encouraged to go back into difficult assignments. But she named the well that morning. This is the well of the God who sees. Okay. The God who sees. The living God sees me. And that's what happens at the well with Jesus. Jesus meets a different woman at a different well, you know, and shows her that he sees her. Now, when we just read the passage in John 4, it actually, you would be justified in saying, you know, did Jesus abide by the the guidelines that we talk about here, this seems like it wasn't edifying, encouraging, or comforting because he tells her, you know, you're with your, you know, you've been with five guys and the current guy that you're with is not your husband, right? Um, And that seems kind of harsh. And, uh, but I want to show... the sequence that they did on The Chosen. And I, w- I would like to actually highlight the fact that, that The Chosen, so I don't know if you got, anybody has watched The Chosen, um, but season one of The Chosen is actually on Netflix. So you can invite any of your friends here in Bahrain. I mean, it's, it's available here in Bahrain. <laughs> season one of The Chosen is on Netflix. Okay? And, yeah, the app, the app is free. You can have all three seasons on the app. Okay? So, but if anybody, you know, if that's a bridge too far, um, you know, anybody can access this thing on Netflix in an environment that they already feel safe watching. Um, but this, to me, is just an incredible sequence 
watch how Jesus uses knowledge that I don't believe that I believe that he got from the Holy Spirit. In the same way, he's he's literally don't look at him as being God. Okay? In this sequence. He is modeling for us what the Holy Spirit can do through us when we're encountering people that that God sees and God loves and God cares about, right? And he's going to, yeah, he's going to tell her to go get your husband. Um, but he's going to give some details that only the Holy Spirit could have given him that turn around her situation from being skeptical to being saved, from being transported from darkness into light. And she comes into relationship with him through a prophetic word that undoes her and undoes me every time I look at it.
the prophetic word showed her that he saw her. That he knew who she was and that he longed to see her delivered, to see her healed, to see her saved and restored. And he did it with incredible kindness and love. And that is the same Jesus we follow. And that is the same Jesus who invites each and every one of you this morning to follow him, to know him, to be transformed by him. He knows everything you've done. He's not interested in shaming you. He's interested in healing and setting you free. So as we worship here, I just want to invite you to, to search your heart, search what God's speaking to you in the midst of this morning. Say, Lord, you know me. You know all the stuff I've done. And he's inviting you to, like David, come and and purify. Purify your heart. Restore the joy of your salvation. He loves you. And he's speaking to you this morning. Inviting you to come to that place where he makes all things new. Because he sees you. And he loves you very, very much.
Yeah, Jesus, thank you that we do just, we began and we end just praising you all. Like that hail just means like praise, glory, everything like to your name. Father, I want to thank you that you've, you've met us. You've been in our presence. And there's so much more that each of these things could say, things that the Holy Spirit is probably saying to you. But I thank you, God, that we worship a living, active God who is always teaching, always speaking. There are things I believe the Holy Spirit was speaking to you through that message. And I don't know all that it was. But I just pray that you wouldn't, if you had that little inkling about something, please talk. The leaders are up here. You can talk to somebody else and just say, I don't know, but I started to think this. I, I, I mean, you know, it, the, there's so much more about prophecy that says test it and ask. That doesn't mean you hear everything right. We talk about you see in part, but there's a place of saying, God, you're speaking to me. And I pray that he does. I pray that God would woo you, not because you're going to be like, oh, I know this. No, in this place of love. But if some of the stories or testimonies has stirred you and you're like, I really need to get prayer. We're going to finish the service now, but I want you to know that we would pray for you and others here will pray for you. It isn't, again, it is a beautiful thing to say, hey, would you pray with me? I, I need this. I need something more. So as we go out, just seriously, thank you, Jesus, that you are with your children. You are speaking. You are alive. And you are reminding us, root ourselves in love. God, I pray that as a people, we would be marked. Marked, not because, oh, wow, those people are so accurate. They say such amazing things. God, I pray that we would be people that go, wow. I saw something of God there. I saw care and love. In the name of Jesus, I bless each of you that may you go out in his name. Amen.